On today's episode of BRC and Friends, I sit down with Sheila M. Beckford and E. Michelle Letter, co-authors of the For Real series, Anti-Racism for Reals, Real Talk with Real Strategies in Real Time for Real Change, and most recently, Doing Anti-Racist Business, Dislodging and Dismantling Racism with the For Reals. Not only do we talk about how their process of moving organizations to be anti-racist is different than the approach of DEI, but we talk about their very funny origin story, parents dancing on TikTok, and so much more. We had a great time, and we hope you will too. Thanks for being here. Grab a beverage, pull up a chair, and enjoy listening to my conversation with Sheila M. Beckford and E. Michelle Letter. My name is Bruce Reyes Chow, and this is BRC and Friends. Each episode, my co-hosts and I chat with activists, artists, academics, and adventurers to discuss politics, faith, pop culture, technology, and as you will discover, pretty much everything that pops into our heads. This is basically an excuse for us to hang out with friends and colleagues and riff about things that matter. Welcome to BRC and Friends. And welcome to BRC and Friends. I'm very excited. Uh, some colleagues of writers of Child's Press are on today. Uh, Sheila and Michelle are here. They are the authors of Doing Anti-Racist Business, Dislodging and Dismantling Racism with the Four Reels. I am super intrigued by uh, the title and how that all came about. Uh, but some of you know, we've been, uh, my family's been dealing with some uh, elder care issues. And I fully admitted to them, I have not read it. And so when we get to the book part, um, I get to pretend like I, I'm not going to pretend that I haven't read it. I actually have it. And so they're going to fill us in. Just like if you all were looking at the book and you're like, should I get this? You get to now hear the, the nitty gritty. But first, before we get to that, uh, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves and we'll talk a little bit about joy in the world. So, uh, Sheila, you would go ahead and introduce yourself to folks. Sure. I'm Sheila M. Beckford. I am a co-founder of um, Anti-Racism for Reals or For Reals um, um, Anti-Racist, Anti-Racism <laughs> um, Consulting and Training, LLC. Um, I am also a pastor of a church in Brooklyn, New York. Awesome. I yeah, I have a dog. Uh, <laughs> um, we we, we will get to dogs. We discovered we all have dogs, so we'll we'll, we'll surely get to get to there. Um, cozy, and I have a daughter who just turned ten. Ooh, wow! Oh, I don't I don't talk about my eldest daughter, but she's twenty four. That's why I don't talk about her. She <laughs> ages me. It ages me. <laughs> I, I I had I had twenty seven, twenty two, and twenty. So you know, it's it's all it's all good. It's all good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right, Michelle, if you should introduce yourself, please. Sure, absolutely. My name is E. Michelle Letter, and alongside uh, Sheila, I'm also a co-founder of Anti-Racism for Reals. Um, we've written two books together. So we've written the Doing Anti-Racist Business, but also Anti-Racism for Reals, which introduces the actual four reels. Um, I serve Metropolitan... AME Church in Washington, D.C. I'm an assistant minister on the ministerial staff there, and I'm an itinerant elder in the AME Church. And let's see. Oh, I'm also uh, deeply into academia, even though I've just finished my final degree, but my work focuses on uh, preaching and pedagogy. Oh, I live in Baltimore City. And I have a, a dog. <laughs> We've already established we all have dogs. Uh, my dog is named Cashmere. She's eight years old, and she's a pit 
probably boxer mix. A name cashmere. That is awesome. Yeah. Oh, that, thanks. That, that is, that is because if you hear the word cashmere, I don't think you expect to see a pit boxer mix. I mean, right. I yeah. mean, I think you're Maybe thinking so. some Bill cash. Slop. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. They, we're breaking stereotypes any, all over the place. That's right. I don't have anything cashmere <laughs> in my closet, so I have actually no idea what that stereotype would even really be. Uh, well, as long as we've talked about names, uh, uh, Sheila, what's your dog's name again? And what kind? Cozy. Cozy. Uh, yes. Shisupuru. Oh, so you do have a little one. And is it a cuddle dog? Does it does it actually cozy up to you? Oh, absolutely. Okay. It'd be funnier if it was named Cozy and then it didn't like to touch anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it was like... It would be, but not this one. Not this one, yeah. No. So we have two. We have two. One of them. Everybody who follows me on the on the socials knows Vespa, because Vespa is a English bull terrier and is the best dog ever, and it's my favorite dog. And my children do not ask me who the favorite child is because they know that it's none of the humans. It is my dog. <laughs> um, and then we have another one. So, um, which is. <laughs> It, Another basically, one. <laughs> so we uh, we got we inherited my my father in law's dog when he went into assisted living. The he, the the, rec, the requirement was he had to give up his dog, and none of us like this dog because he's mean and grumpy. He's a grumpy old man named Bernie, and so but we took him because that's what you do, and so he is still a grumpy old man, grumpy old man dog, and just kind of harumps around the house. So it's it's a it's a terrible cycle. When you're grumpy, people don't like you, and then you get grumpier. So there there's our there's there's ours. Mm-hmm. Um, so what besides the dogs? Let me ask you as we before we jump into the book. What has brought you joy lately? What anything in the world? Your life? Just whatever you'd want to share. What's what's brought you joy? And uh, Michelle, we'll start with you. Hmm. Um, I've been taking to solitude lately. <laughs> Um, I've, I've really been going on an inner kind of journey lately. So a lot of, uh, reading and journaling and, um, stretching. Um, I, I, my first career was in fitness and, uh, because of that, I've done a lot of overdoing with physical activity. Um, and so I've been take lately, I've been taking time to really just kind of pay attention to my body and how it, how it moves through stretching, how it moves through strength training, but not in an, um, overtaxing kind of way, just in a paying attention to what my muscles are doing kind of way. So I think, um, just an inner solitude kind of journey is bringing me joy. Great. Great. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Sheila, what about you? What's brought you joy lately? Well, I've been um, sick for uh, over a month, actually. Mm. And uh, during that time that I've been out of work and home, um, I've been able to catch up on television shows. Yeah. <laughs> that I've not, I didn't even knew existed. Um, just surfing. And I'm like, wait, this looks interesting. Please, please, please tell me, please tell me you're about to share some trash TV that you watch. <laughs> I mean, you can watch the deep stuff too, but what's okay? What have you been? What are the shows you've been binging? I've I've watched Murder in the Building. Oh, oh yes, yes. That's excellent. I okay. never, I didn't even know it was on television. Like I, I didn't even know it existed, and I just happened to be surfing. I was like, 
what is this? Yeah, because I know. What 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 parrot what trio is that? Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Who put these three people together? So I watched um I watched that and um and then I went on TikTok and I started look <laughs> looking at the dance videos and started I in my prior life I was a dancer. And so I started to actually do the dances and you know memorize them and practice them. And my 10-year-old was like, oh Lord, please don't go out of that. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got my groove back. You know, you should you should set up your camera like you're recording and about to publish and just just to see what they do. It's like, oh, you gotta follow my new TikTok because I'm doing dance things now for real. You know, you should I followed my 24-year-old on the um on TikTok. And she said, I better not see any dances. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, you know, if the th- it, I will tell you, if the three of you did them together, oh, my goodness, that would blow up. Like, that, especially if you were better than one of the other two. That oh, and would be I, am. I am. <laughs> oh, I am. Oh, that's going in. That's staying in. I don't care if you tell me you got to cut that out of the podcast. That is, it, yeah. that is staying in. I'm gonna I'm gonna clip this out and send it to them and say your mom is basically <laughs> challenged you right. to do this. All right, called you out. <laughs> That's right. Oh my gosh. I mean, it is it is amazing what is out there now. You know, on all the things and and everything. And uh, we could probably go on about that. But we're here to talk about your book. Um, so doing anti-racist business. So tell me a little bit about. Uh, the Dislodged Dismantling Racism with the For Reals organization you all are part of. Give us a little bit of background. Uh, let's just say that somebody right. didn't read the book and has no idea. Um, uh, give give us a little bit of like, what's the organization about that has kind of helped you create these books? Um, I, I'll just give you a little backstory and then I'll ask Michelle to continue because I'm going to have a little problems here with my throat. Um, well, Michelle and I, we met and I believe it was May of 2019. There was an, uh, an incident, um, a racialized incident that targeted a few of us who were black. And we were at this, while we were at this conference, we were actually there to support another group that was oppressed. And we were blocked entrance into a room. And so by a group that was supposed to be a social justice group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, Michelle was called in to mediate between us, those of us who were um, targeted and this group, the social justice group. And um, it was just funny because beforehand, before I met Michelle, people were like, oh, you two should really meet each other. You will like each other. And this is someone Mm -hmm. talking to me. And she does anti-racism work. And I'm like, a white woman is doing anti-racism work. <laughs> and so I was like, y'all really think I'm going to like this woman? <laughs> <laughs> we'll say, I will say, but I was an early reaction when I first just looked at pictures. I'm like, this is interesting. Okay. I'm, this is great. Yeah. I was right. like, ah, okay. right. <laughs> so that was my initial reaction. They were like, oh, you two will really like each other. You two will really get along. And I was like, I'm good. You know, <laughs> I do not need to meet Michelle. We're good, right? And then <clears throat> um, she became she was the mediator. She was the one that's facilitating this meeting between this this social justice group and those of us who were targeted. 
And um, and when we met, we just clicked. I was like, I like her. <laughs> uh, and it was, we just approached um, anti-racism work uh, the same way, just from different racial position out, mm -hmm. um, positions. So um, I'm gonna ask uh, Michelle to take over from there. <laughs> sure. Um, so after that time of uh, meeting together and pre we met, we only had a chance to really talk for maybe about five or 10 minutes the night before. We were all at this um, like kind of third party location. Uh, and then the next day we got together and, and we were in the middle of it. Afterwards, we decided to keep in contact. And the organization that I was working for at the time was trying to create some sort of like introduction to anti-racism for white people. Sure. And so I was writing that curriculum and Sheila was working with a group of folks who had started to um, proclaim verbally and publicly that they were very interested in doing anti-racism work. Um, and this was after the murder of Mr. George Floyd. And so what we decided to do was take that momentum and use the course and the curriculum that I was writing. Sorry, that was my dog, Cashmere. Cashmere. And you Cashmere, know what? Okay, Cash Cashmere does not sound like what I'm expecting Cashmere to sound like either, which is. <laughs> Cashmere, you want to make your appearance? But he's coming uh, in the main door, say, so she's very I, interested I, in that. Um, so, yeah, so we decided to um, use the momentum that was happening. And uh, use the curriculum as a pilot for the group that Sheila was uh, leading. And okay, then okay. Sheila and I ended up co-facilitating, I think it was maybe like six sessions mm -hmm. uh, to go through this curriculum. And we just found over and over and over again that our approach was very similar. Our method and our um, methodology, our assumptions were very similar. And just as an off comment in one of these debrief conversations that we were having, Sheila says, we should write a book. <laughs> and I da said- Dangerous, dangerous. <laughs> right. And I said, you know, I have some contact information for somebody over at Chalice Press. Why don't we put together a two-page letter of inquiry about our approach? And within- well, we, first of all, we were uh, contacted almost right away. And within two months, we were under contract with Chalice Press. And the whole, the whole idea of the for reals, what the for reals are, um, and our whole approach to how we um, write the book and the way that the um, engagements come forward from there all started uh, from this chance meeting uh, back in 2019. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, all right. You won me over. Like I, I was like, I, yeah, I, I trust Brad, who is our publisher to kind of let me hit like, You should talk with these people. Kind of like she, what you're saying. I'm like, all right. I, I read the title and I'm like, okay. I mean, I, I guess I'm a, I guess doing business is my, it's not generally my thing, but, but so you won me over. Um, tell me about the book. Like what, who's buying this? What's it for? Who's going to use it? Like, uh, yeah, give me the give me the spiel. Well, doing anti-racism for reals is our second book. 
Uh, the first one we it was anti-racism for reals, uh, real talk with real strategies and real time for real change. Those are the four, our four reals, okay. and um, and we were asked to do a business book because much the uh, first book was written for those who were in uh, it had church language in it. Right, right. So that was the audience. So people who were in the business world read the book. Right. And they were like, well, we want to use this book, but we can't use the book because it has a lot of church language in it. Is there any way that you can write a book for business for businesses? Hmm. And so we were okay. like, OK, so we spoke to Brad and Brad was like, OK, let's do it. <laughs> and so, I, lo- I love Brad. This is a we love Brad show as well, because, yeah, I'm like, so I, as I, he's asked me to do something like and I said, can I do this? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm like, OK. Thanks. It's great. Mm-hmm. And so we um, we were able to come together and put this, um, give him a manuscript by the deadline. Um, and basically, our audience for this book um, are business our businesses. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're like, if you were doing, you know, DEI, DEI, I can't remember what it's DEI work or something, you might, this might be something, a resource that folks would use, or if they're, or like who who in the business world is, is do you do you expect to pick this up? I'm not sure DEI people will use our book. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, those those who want to be anti-racist and want an um uh, a culture of anti-racism, they will probably pick up our book and use it for their businesses. Okay. Uh, I, I do have to say that one person that I do know uh, who has a DEI consulting company read the book and was like, oh, I'm going to use some of this stuff in this book. So do you, so I, do you think, is it, so is it more about dismantling structures and culture and institutions? So DEI is going to be, is too, like, why, why do you say that they wouldn't use it? This feels like I, there's something there. <laughs> there is actually. Um, DEI and cultural competency Um, and different programs along those lines um, tend to amplify uh, the timeline of particular ways of, of, some would say building, some would say forcing relationships uh, before interrupting and dismantling oppression can happen. Mm. Uh, The work that we do focuses on interrupting and dismantling first. And, and working, uh, working to create um, spaces of uh, individual, interpersonal, and institutional um, anti-racist culture or anti-oppression culture. So oftentimes what will happen is when we have conversations with folks that are concentrating on the DEI line or the cultural competency line, uh, the risks... Uh, of the work that we do are too great mm. that they are they are um, they are heavily heavily invested in um, bringing everybody together first and on board first rather than claiming and proclaiming um, an anti-racist or an anti-oppression ethos and culture as primary and non-negotiable. Yes. In great. addition, in addition to that, a lot of um, DEI and this multicultural um, trainings or um, work, it focuses on what we can, what 
what we have that's alike. Mm -hmm. The problem always come in when there are differences. You know, racism and oppression, it's not, it's not based on what, what's alike. We all have two eyes and nose. Most of us, you know, have all of these things that are similar. But the things that are different is, are the things that separate us right. and cause right. oppression. I'm imagining people are going to be tricked into getting this, though. I can, but I, because I could, right, I could see DEI people going like, this, I'm going to get it. And then they read it and like, oh, shit, I can't do this. <laughs> Well, right. I mean, they're gonna right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Here's the thing, too. It can it for what DEI and and different lines of of uh, the field um, proclaim that a lot of folks will proclaim this is what they want. Mm-hmm. What we find is when we work with clients, there's going to come a time. When the level of risk, the level of responsibility, the level of change, something is going to hit the, the edge of where they're willing to go. And the edge uh, happens very, very quickly for those who are doing cultural competency. It comes a little bit later for the DEI folks. And it comes a little bit later for the folks that have combined every single justice move into one group. And then we get to do the most work and the most interrupting and dismantling with folks that are that proclaim right up front, we are creating an anti-racist culture here. Hmm. Right. So they've made so they a commitment it. already to this. Just now you're going to help us get there. Like they're, we're not trying to change. I, I you know that 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 makes uh, total right. sense. This is awesome. This is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes. about the book itself, about this one, about doing. So I the, the book that I wrote with Chalice. It was not church based at all. And so the first draft I sent in is very interesting there. They had to send it back. I'm like, well, this is super churchy. Some parts of it. And I was like, huh, didn't even think it was, but okay. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about shifting your language culture. I just all of that. How was that moving into vernacular around business? I mean, I, I, you may have had that experience beforehand, but what was that like trying to talk about this from a faith lens and then like now write one that doesn't have that at least blatantly, uh, you know, what was that like? Well, both Sheila and I have backgrounds in different business fields. So um, moving from one discipline to another wasn't that difficult. Um, It was more realizing that we did have a lot of church language in there that we weren't really paying attention to until we had to go through. Because the the books really are uh, the same base material. So sometimes it's just the example. An HR group in a business is very concerned that any church language at all will be proselytizing or that um, it could open them up to vulnerabilities um, by introducing that language through the lens of like anti-racism or something else. So um, part of what was happening is as we were going through the book, we realized, oh, wow, you know, we, we just use that language regularly. So we didn't realize there was a lot of churchy kind of language in there. Or yeah. like there's one example where we talk about a biblical reference. So we reframed it into a different kind of storytelling uh, for the business book. But right. that was pretty much it. I'm good. Uh, so tell me, so if, uh, as you're writing this, uh, to get, give me, I want to dive into the, the content a little bit. Uh, 
favorite chapter to write or least favorite thing? Or like, what's the thing that like you really was like, oh, I love doing this one or another one that was like, oh, I didn't like doing this. Like, so give us a little bit of how you all experienced even, even creating and writing again, unfortunately I didn't get to read it. So you're going to, I'm, I'm, this is how I'm reading it right now is uh, you all telling me about uh, the, the thing you loved, you really felt drawn to. And then thing that the parts that you were, that were, were more difficult, maybe. Hmm. You got first, Michelle. I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, look at that. Um, a question that you haven't had before. <laughs> um, I, I like the structure of the book. Like, I just like the, uh, maybe structure isn't the right word, like the template. Mm -hmm. So each chapter is set, first of all, each chapter is set up around one of the reels. So there's a real talk chapter, a real strategies chapter, right? And it's got practical strategies going all the way through. But we set it up based on the way that we understood our work together. So under real talk, there's a little bit of an intro, and then it'll say, um, Beck Ford's response. And from her own racial positionality, she responds to the prompt about real talk. And then after her section, then I come in and says letters response. And so I'm talking about the same thing. We're talking about the same thing, but we're doing it from our own racial positionality, which at the very same time models working out of our authentic racial positionality as we do anti-racism work together. And then the last section of each chapter is um, action now learning engagements. And that's where there's very practical strategies um, that can be used. And they're also laid out um, by racial positionality. So there's a section for BIPOL people, a section for white people, and then a section that says like, everybody can do this. Mm -hmm. So I think my, my favorite is that. My least favorite is editing for the 14th time when I can't, <laughs> I just, I, I just can't read this sentence one more time. Cause I don't even know what it means anymore. Oh yeah. So yeah. There was a moment in, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a fortunate world to be able to write books and be an author. Like there's part of me that's like, everybody sure. says, I want to write a book. And I'm, so I'm like, well, then you got to go write it. You can't just be one. And then there's like, when you get to do it, it's so awesome. But that part where you just want to be like, can I just accept all for all the edits <laughs> and be done with it? Because I trust you and I love you and I know you want the book to be good. So I'm just going to accept all. And they're like, you can't do that. I need you to yeah. actually read them. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Okay. So just thinking back on uh, about writing this book, um, the first book we wrote, um, I was recovering from COVID while we Ooh. were writing that book. So my favorite part was that I was healthy while I was writing mm. this book. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, and also it actually helped me to think about the different things and um, different events and uh, different circumstances that I was in when I was in corporate America. Mm. And I was, and, and as I'm writing these, as I'm doing my writing, I'm like, I wonder how many people gonna shake their head, like, mm -hmm, mm, this is yeah. it. This is what happens right now. Like, you know, I I haven't been in corporate America. I don't even know how many years, but it still resonates with so many different people. All of these examples that we have put forward, and I think one of the um, the things that I really like is that I'm not only speaking for myself. You know, it is my experience but it is also the experience of many others who look like me, um, you know, who are part of the Black, Indigenous, Pacific Islanders, Asian, Latino, Latinx community. 
so they can recognize and then say, you know, this is what is happening right now to me is and I'm I may be I'm someone may be trying to gaslight me to make me think that this is not happening. But this is actually happening in my workspace at this time. Mm. And so that's what is so that was exciting for me. That's one of the favorite my favorite parts there. The least favorite is, again, um, I'm going to have to agree with Michelle on this one. (laughs) Is the because at one point I was like, I am sick of this. <laughs> I'm so sick of reading this. There, there's oh, probably people, there's probably listening going, Oh, you poor writers, you have to edit your own work. <laughs> true, it's so true. Yeah, no, it's like at one point you're like, I am done with this yes. book. Can, can we move to the podcast interviews and the all the fun stuff afterwards? Because I do not want to read it anymore. No, that's that's all. How long did it take you all to? I mean, as you're writing together, it's interesting. I've I've interviewed a couple of pairing co-writers. How did you? So I assume that there's like a narrative that's both of you, and then there's your parts. I mean, what? How did you all write it? Just in terms of process, how did that work? Well, um, Michelle went in her little writing corner. I went into my writing corner. Uh, we did talk about, uh, we gave our prompts. We started with prompts, said, okay, this is what we're going we're gonna to write about. And then uh, we brought our minds together. Um, and I would read her part, and I was like, oh, this is so good. Or, you know, or I'll say, oh, don't say that. <laughs> and, um, and then she would read my part, and she said, well, as a white person reading your part, this is what I understand. So we were still, again, coming from our racial positionality. So it was, um, and then when we wrote the uh, parts where we did together, we just sat there and wrote together. <laughs> you know, really? she was like, okay, mm-hmm. she would start writing, and I was oh, oh, this goes here, this yeah, should this go in here. And, you know, so we would just brainstorm together, and then we would um, let it rest, and then we would come back to it. We would read through it again. Um, Michelle is an A++ personality, so (laughs) (laughs) Michelle would read it over and over again uh, on her own. And then when we come back together, she'll say, did you, do you understand this sentence? Cause I'm not sure about this sentence, you know? So, um, it's, it's, I, I enjoyed writing, uh, initially (laughs) (laughs) and then sharing our perspectives and our viewpoints and, um, and then correcting each one another and just sharing, say, if I heard that as a BIPOL person, this is what I would how I'm reading it. And mm-hmm. she would say, well, as a white person, this is how I'm reading what you wrote. So do right. you want that to come across to me that way? So we would ask each other questions about our, our parts. That's awesome. That's great. And you all, and I assume, uh, work with organizations, um, companies, businesses to help kind of implement a lot of this. Is that part of your work together as well? Yes. Yep. Good, Michelle. Okay. Yeah, we work with um, individual organizations. Like, um, for instance, we'll work with um, an individual church that um, creates like a racial justice and equity leadership team or something like that. We've also worked with executive leadership teams from organizations. Uh, We've done some uh, editing work for some uh, businesses with their documents and things using an anti-racist lens. Um, So we, we... we kind of, we dabble in quite a bit. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. 
Well, we are already at half an hour, which uh, goes super fast when you talk about puppies and writing, uh, <laughs> editing. Um, but uh, so everybody rush out, get get the book, um, uh, keep up with them. All the links for all that stuff will be in the show notes. Uh, before we leave, though, I always ask the guests. Uh, we already went a little bit into it, but what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to? And again, it can be whatever is hitting you these days. Uh, and you can. Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh Whoever has one or two or three or whatever, listening to, watching, reading. I would say uh, I, I left out this show that I saw on YouTube. <laughs> I'm not YouTube. Um, TikTok. Um, uh, SWF Street Women Fighters. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dance-off. Actually, oh. there are groups. He said, oh, Lord. I thought I, I was like, I did not expect you to watch people fighting in the street like cage matches. <laughs> I was like, that is not what I was. But, you know, hey, whatever, you know, we, no, we get, there, there, there's a dance show is based out of Korea and um, there are different groups competing. And it's my favorite group, Jam Republic, that's on there. So I that's that's the show that I'm watching right now. And as far as music. I have to listen to what my child listens to, and she listens to <laughs> Kelly Clarkson and Fantasia at this moment. Fantasia? Yes. Man, I haven't heard about Fantasia in a long time. She loves Fantasia. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm glad Fantasia is still doing well. If mm -hmm. I, I had no idea that she was actually still out there making music, which is great. Yeah. She was American Idol too, right? Yeah, she was on American Idol. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Long, long, <laughs> long time ago. That's yeah, that's, that's awesome. She's still doing shows. I haven't heard like any real new music from her, but she's yeah. still performing. All right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what's the what's the group you really like again? What are they called? Jam Republic. All right. So now, are you at the level? If you saw that Jam Republic was going to do a YouTube, a, 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 do a show, would you go? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're absolutely. in. Yeah, I'm gonna try to get on stage and bust a move with them. <laughs> and your kids are gonna be like, "Oh my yes. gosh, what is going on?" <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know who that lady is. Don't know her. Don't have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, that. That's so. That's so funny. All right, Michelle. What about you? Reading, watching, listening to. Sure. Um, listening to Spotify kind of collaboration stations or something. So early '90s hip hop and R&B on that. Uh, usually, just when I'm working out. <laughs> I don't have music on all the time. Um, I've been, let's see, watching, I've been rewatching Living Single. Um, oh. and I just, uh, I just binge watched Ted Lasso. I resisted it for a very long time. I was like, what's the big deal about this show? I don't care. Uh, but then I got into it and that was the end of the story. I binge watched that. Um, reading, I usually read a couple of books at a time. So like a couple of chapters of each book. And I, um, so, and my stack is right here near my computer. So, uh, the politics of Jesus by, uh, Reverend Dr. Aubrey M. Hendricks, mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. anxiety RX by Russell Kennedy. Um, this is where the swear happens. Uh, uh -oh. it's called un F word. <laughs> un F word yourself. Yes. It's by Gary John Bishop and uh, Children of Blood and Bone is mm. the fiction book that I'm reading. 
So yeah. Yeah, you're like I, you're like my spouse. My spouse has like this whole pile of books on on their like nightstand. I'm like, are you like there's like 12 books there. You are not reading all of the it's like, no, I dabble in each of them whoever was. I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. so for me, uh, so it's, you know, I, I've recorded about 10 of these within a couple of weeks. So I have to come up with something new every time. Um, but I did, you just happened. I just finished listening to the podcast exposed the cover up at Columbia university. Uh, mm-hmm. and it is about the OBGYN doctor mm-hmm. that ended up. I, I don't think there's any spoilers here cause it's out, uh, that, that, he was accused of sexual assault early on, and then Columbia and Presbyterian Hospital covered it up for decades. Yes. And it's the one, um, if you remember, um, uh, Mich- uh, Evelyn Yang, Mich- uh, Andrew Yang's wife, was mm-hmm. uh, involved in that case. Yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. the case. The podcast is done really, really, really well. And uh, um, so, if you're if you're a podcast person, I highly suggest that one. The other one that I'm pushing for everybody to listen to is Think Twice, the Michael Jackson one. Uh, and mm-hmm. it is uh, Jay Smooth is one of the DJs out in New York, actually, that I listened to, I've listened to for a while. And it, it really looks at this conflict that the world has about Michael Jackson mm-hmm. and does a really good job at mm-hmm. kind of laying everything out. And, and this, there's spoilers are where everybody lands at the end. But it's kind of uh, it really does kind of lay out this tension, especially for those of us who grew up on him, for the black community. Like, what did it all the uh, allegations and when the documentary Surviving Neverland came out and all that. So those two podcasts, um, just those are the ones where like you'll sit in your car an extra five minutes in the driveway so you can keep <laughs> listening. That's how good they were. So uh, mm-hmm. those are the two that I've been listening to. So, all right. Thank you both for being on the show. This has been so fun. I'm glad to get to know you all. Thank you for having having us. us. You're very welcome. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of BRC and Friends, as we like you to do. Wherever you put podcasts in your ears, uh, subscribe, rate, review, do all the things. uh, Share these out. Uh, Look in the show notes for the link to the books and follows and all those kind of things. And we will see you next week on BRC and Friends. BRC and Friends was hosted and produced by Bruce Reyes Chow. Co-hosts were Jorge Bautista, Mickey Scott Bay Jones, Amy Kim Karemis Parks, and Laura Monaco Heifetz. And the theme music was composed and recorded by Marissa Magdal Laron. Feel free to connect with any of us via the show notes. And lastly, please don't make me beg. Take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to BRC and Friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Until the next episode, thanks for listening to BRC and Friends.